right, Kev, here we are. I, uh, I hate to start off this this podcast with a bit of, uh, you know, athletic comparison, and I never want to put myself or you in, uh, you know, the same sentence as people like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods. Um, but everybody knows, you know, like MJ had his flu game and we talked last week about Tiger, um, you know, winning the U.S. Open on a broken leg and a torn ACL. But people got to understand, like, I'm really congested right now and my voice hurts and you can't walk. So I just want to know, like, what we're about to embark on as an athletic achievement and be recognized as we should. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we can't put ourselves in the same sentence as those guys. You know, we went out there, we played a little flag football yesterday. So Ed and I play a little bit sometimes. Uh, some guys from our old high school play like once every couple months. Uh, just flag, but other than that, full contact, you know, like there's blocking, we're, we're like returning kickoffs. Uh, there's, there's, there's enough contact for guys like us to to get hurt and yeah I'm, I'm i'm feeling it for sure so i wanted to get out there and try to play a little golf today but uh i didn't i don't feel like i can really walk the court you know speaking of comparing myself to tiger that's that actually i didn't think of it till now but yeah i don't, well, I don't Ken, think i could walk 18 holes you know you know to, to quote steve williams like you know sometimes we got to look at the long term like do you think you can do this one or should we pull out and look long term and it's you know you're talking about the, are you talking about the podcast or yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now I'm gonna stick through it. It'll be this will be like my flu game. That's right. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we're gonna start off. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about Full Swing, the uh, the Netflix series that came out in golf. Um, we'll go through the Genesis, and then we'll uh, we'll hit the Honda Classic this week, which will be probably our most difficult test. Um, you know, trying to pick a uh, a winning golfer or a, a golfer that doesn't get cut this week, um, as we'll get into. Uh, but but in terms of the Netflix series, if you haven't watched, I strongly suggest that you do. Um, but also, if you haven't watched, you may want to hit um, plus 30 uh, a few times coming up because we are going to hit it for the next, um, you know, the next five, five, ten minutes ish. And there could be some spoilers in that. So if you want to watch, which I suggest you do, just fast forward to the Genesis. But I told Kev, we, we both sort of are, are midway through, but I don't want to blow, um, you know, the whole series uh, all at once. So let's hit. Episodes one and two, which uh, again, spoilers coming. Episode one sort of focuses on the uh, upbringing and uh, I guess friendship and rivalry of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. And then episode two uh, focuses on Brooks Kepka, uh, sort of his his run of dominance and then uh, sort of the slump that he's found himself in in the last couple of years. Um, I find the series, as we sort of have talked about, a little geared overall toward um people that don't know much about golf. Uh, so I did find that a little slow for, for people like us. Um, but I also understand, you know, we're not the target demographic of who Netflix wants to draw in with this series. We're, we're going to watch this series, whether it's good or bad, and we're going to watch golf, whether it's good or bad. Um, so they don't really need us. Um, so that's my, I guess my first overall thought so far is that, you know, it's a little elementary for me, what do you think so far, you know, specifically maybe about the series overall without giving too much away, but then specifically about the first two episodes um, uh, that we've seen so far? Yeah, um, I, I like the show. I think I'm just happy to have like anything of this kind because I, I don't think we've seen them sort of come out with anything like this as it relates to golf. So it's nice to see them at least have something like that that's on Netflix that like you said, I think it was a little bit more geared to sort of sort of a casual fan. But I think even if you know 
a good amount about golf or you follow golf a lot, you, you can enjoy it as well. Um, I think you made a great point when we talked, we had talked previously the other day a little bit about it. And um, just like the, the timeline is a little bit confusing in terms of like which tournaments they go to and um, what they talk about. So like, I, I thought the, the talking about Spieth and JT and like them sort of coming up as younger players was great because you can relate to that uh, regardless of where you at. And I think where, you know, where you are, where you are in terms of your golf, like fandom, like which tournaments you've watched and anything like that. Like most people uh, like a story like that, especially like them being friends when they were younger and then them happening to both like make it onto the PGA tour and, and still being very good friends. I think that that's something that people would be attracted to, but in some of the later episodes, I know we're only touching on one and two, but um with some of like the tournaments that they touch on either they were long enough to go where like the casual fan probably wasn't watching or if they were they don't remember the tournament so it's difficult to kind of relate to that kind of stuff but but I think there's elements of it that are really that are really attractive to it and I'm just happy that they 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 did something um and so so overall I'm a fan I think yeah yeah if the mission is to grow the game which i'm sure it is like i think it will do that like it is starting from scratch um you know establishing some of the stakes and why golf is important it's done a good job of that it's done a good job of showing some of the personality behind these guys who are mostly robots on the course um it does show them in sort of an athletic like light and showing that you know even though this is a um you know a small twitch sport there was a lot of athletics involved in it, a lot of training involved. Like, you know, these aren't the, these aren't guys that are going to go on the course and, you know, slug down seven beers and, and come back. Like this is a very, um, a craft, just like any other professional sport minus, you know, the overwhelming physicality. Um, but then looking specifically at episode one, you know, the, the kickoff of the series, uh, I was surprised, you know, they did do a lot of background on JT and Spieth. I was very surprised at how I thought about Spieth going into the documentary and watching that episode and then how I saw him coming out. Um, Because when I think of him before watching this episode, I sort of think more about his struggle and sort of recent resurgence um, more so than his early success. Like it it, it almost to me, um, he came out like a Phoenix, obviously, and, you know, got his majors and and looked like to be on a Tiger-esque track. And then lost everything, uh, you know, was was barely at a professional level uh, so soon after that. And so it, it felt like it wasn't a precipitous, um, you know, gradual drop to, to the bottom. It, you know, it just fell off uh, like a light switch. Um, they didn't really touch on that at all in, in portraying him. They really sort of had a golden child uh, image of this guy um, who, you know, has always been JT's bigger, more successful brother in a way, um, always been sort of the A side of that that rivalry between those two um, through their college days and onto the tour. And that really isn't the case. Like in reality, you know, in objectivity, I think, like obviously, you know, Spieth had more early success. But when Thomas has come on uh, since the moment he's broke through on the pro tour, he's pretty much been a top 10 guy. Uh, consistently without much of a drop-off from that. Like, he hasn't, you know, won tournaments every single year, but he really hasn't had much of a a true struggle like Spieth has. And I was surprised to see them not humanize Spieth a little bit more um, by taking us through that, because I thought that would have been a great thing for not only us hardcore fans, um, because I personally would have loved that, but also for the casual fan to see, um, you know, how hard it is to be good year after year. Like, it's not something where if you get good, you're just, you're automatically good from, from 
you know, for the rest of your life. Like it can really switch off in an instant. Um, so for them to not hit on that was a little interesting to me. I, I think he got, I think he got a little bit of a raw deal because he came off, I think, a little worse than he would have had he been given, uh, you know, the full story arc that he's been. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think especially even given like it seems like when they were filming this or really like getting into a lot of the content, it was like spring of last year, which that was at like the end. You you touched on his like struggle of like he, he and he really did like sh like have a long period of, of struggle where he was just not playing good golf at all. And last spring was when he was like starting to come around and running off like a level of not even wins, just like made cuts because he was just absolutely abysmal before that. So there was like a little bit of positivity. And then he finally, he got one win last year and everyone, you know, felt it, but, but to celebrate a one win, like not a non-major for, for, he was so dominant at all the majors, like for the years before that, that um, it was almost like waiting for on a much smaller scale, obviously, but almost waiting for like Tiger to come back around and you sort of felt like got that feeling that like, okay, he finally got another win. But yeah, I agree. Like I, you'd, I think you'd have to say now that if you're like comparing JT and speed and you want one versus the other, like anything like a Ryder cup a or a tournament. Yeah. It's not a conversation. Like JT yeah. is like the better, just the better golfer now. And speed in general, always so much. What was so fascinating about his game is that he was never really like spectacular at like what you would consider to be important. Like he, he wasn't great off the tee. His approach shots weren't great. He would hit these like miraculous, like save shots from, from nowhere, which were always like, amazing to see like he'd get himself out of trouble and he was amazing around the green and he made every single 15 foot putt for yep. like yep. years <laughs> like how he was able to to do that for so long uh seemingly like duct taping rounds together and still like having so much success was what made him so fascinating but again like i think if that goes away and, and it's easy for that to go away and we saw it go away, like I think that can emphasize some of the struggle. And to your point, like that wasn't really touched on um, at all. He just seems like he's always just been this like great talented golfer and he was talking like he's still better than JT, which I, I don't think is the case. Right. Yeah. I just don't think like, like any sort of consensus would agree with that sentiment. If anybody's actually proposing, you know, that's that potential matchup. But, and, and I'm sort of going to be blending like episode two here, but I thought, you know, like if I going in with a positive Q score of Spieth going into episode one, I'm coming out with a less favorable Q score when the episode's over. Like I, I just thought he came off crosses a little, um, yeah, like a little golden boyish, a little spoiled, like a little sort of bratty in a way. Um, and, and, you know, that could obviously be the, ed the editing because I don't think he has that reputation just as a person of being that guy. But then going into episode two, I'd say I that that focusing on Brooks Kepka, I'd say going into that episode, I would I would have had a negative Q score of him sort of as a person. Like and honestly, not really personally. Like I sort of like the villain in him, but I'd say the most people would think he's sort of a jerk. Um, you know, I've heard him called a tool. I would agree with that assessment. Like I think that's a good, good description of him, his personality. Like he's a very shallow, meat heady person, I think would be his sort of um popular pre-existing belief and his episode really focused almost extensive almost exclusively on his struggles versus um you know coming up 
This was a guy between 2017 and 2019. When a major came around, he was the favorite and he was expected to win. Uh, obviously, you know, bagged four in that time and, and was on a, I hate to keep using this expression, but was on like a Tiger-esque trajectory at that point. Um, but obviously what makes Tiger great is that that extended for 20 years, not like this two-year stretch. And then much like Spieth sort of fell off, um, uh, you know, because of some injuries and then uh, as the episode sort of focuses on a loss of confidence. And it was really weird to see sort of this hardo, um, you know, meathead dude really be humbled uh, by being unable to compete at the level that he was used to. And looking at some of his candid, you know, thoughts to the camera uh, about how he, you know, he just can't find it. Like he's telling the camera and I sort of have these lines in my head because it was so relatable as just a golfer, obviously not at the level that he is. But it really is such a streaky, weird sport where when you lose a skill and you lose your confidence, that can come in one good swing, like can make you feel good for weeks and months. If you hit, you know, you just find something that gets you through and vice versa. You can hit one bad shot and then lose whatever was sort of guiding you and be lost for a little bit. And to watch, you know, this guy with four majors and, um, you know, multiple tournament wins and this, this aura of dominance and arrogance and this big sort of, uh, you know, tough guy personality, um, you know, be struggling on a putting green at his local course was, was really honestly cool to see um you know as a person it's pretty insightful yeah for sure um I, and I think anytime we get like <clears throat> one of these professional athletes that is like so over the top in like one direction like speed for example always seems like from the viewer's perspective or from the fan's perspective as like this like like good-hearted like nice guy wholesome like over the top right and so i think you it's always natural to question like when guys are a certain way to question and say like well is that is that how they really are like in real life and i i think people have asked and the consensus on speed if you ask like tour players and, and guys that know him a little bit better is that he really is like that nice of a guy and that's just the person that he is and so i think to your point like he got a little bit of a raw deal like unfair uh the way that they portrayed him sort of in the way of like being a little like more cocky and um i i think that that was uh not necessarily like hopefully i hope an accurate portrayal because i think he is sort of that like nice guy but with brooks during that run of dominance that you mentioned we have not very like really seen an athlete come out and make the kind of comments that he made in terms of like being like, like so alpha and a hundred percent like arrogant almost to the point. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, he, he, man to like an act almost like, yeah. Smoked. Yeah. He came out and said like, he doesn't practice golf. He's like, I, he's like, I don't, he's like the majors. They, they, they asked the question, like what separates you? Like what's different about the majors? He's like, well, for the majors, I practice. Like yeah, he's sure. like for the other tournaments, I don't really practice. Like when you see me playing golf, that's that's me playing golf, which is this is like an absurd statement. Like we know, like that's not that's just not. You're true. just being an asshole to be an <laughs> asshole, which is you know it's fine. But like yeah, so to see to see like uh, his struggles and and I and that's what made me think like was like are you really that confident or are you like compensating for the fact that like you know, obviously you're like this great talent. Like you should be that confident. Like we believed you because, because like the, the run that he had for that stretch was amazing. 
But then to see him in this episode, like struggling mentally the way that he was and being like down on himself and never thinking that he was going to get it back. You wonder, like, was he really that confident in himself during that stretch? And uh, it, it provided an interesting perspective that, that I really think you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right. Yeah. I wonder, like, is what is he only confident when he's playing good or does he really, you know, does he believe it when it's easy to believe it or does he, you know, does he really believe it all the time like that it's in him? Yeah, it was really, really humanizing for him. And like I said, like I came out, I came in with one impression and I came out with, uh, I'd say most of the same impression because he does have that side to him still. Um, I know with the, you know, again, big spoiler here, but at the end of his interview, they're like, uh, you know, they're showing him missing the cut at the Masters, which obviously, you know, was not something that he was shooting for. It was a big, you know, revolving thing of I'm going to get it back. Like, I think it's finally clicking. And they ask him, do you know who won the Masters? And he doesn't, pretends not to know. And, and to me, like, that's, again, one of those comments where it's like, dude, you, you, you know who won the Masters. Like, you're, you're a professional golfer. So, like, don't, don't bullshit everybody. Like, I know you want to play, like, this sort of tough guy, but, like, come on. You, you know who it was. So, like I said, I, I did get a little, a, a little bit of the human side, but also came out with a little bit of that tool side still. But my overall impression is I miss him so much on tour. Like, I miss that guy. There is nobody in that personality, whether you like it or you don't. Like, it drew eyeballs and it drew curiosity. And it was a draw to see this big, like you said, just this big alpha come out and try to treat this like a, uh, like, you know, a tough man competition almost. Um, and, you know, we won't see him for quite a bit. Uh, you know, maybe at the majors coming up, if, if he's able to stay in the world rankings, I know he has an exemption to some of them, but I really miss his presence on tour. Um, yeah. And then I guess overall so far to, if, you know, if we're pretending we're two episodes in, like I, I kept going because obviously like, you know, I just sort of am hooked to it, but again, just, just to see these guys in a different light and see uh, the practice habits for me were another just thing that if you're a new uh, casual viewer, like watching just how maniacal the practice is is something that should should give you some insight into the the hours these guys spend um doing this shit. Um yeah, you got any sort of concluding thoughts on either Brooks or the series in general or you know Yeah, I like um I liked how when they focus on the guys they touch on a little bit of the live stuff because back in when they were filming the show, like all the live stuff was so new and um it kind of like took the golf world by storm you know it was like you know who they who's gonna go what we didn't really know at that time like what the implications were going to be in terms of like will these guys still allowed to you know be allowed to play on tour what's going to happen if they go over and with some of the guys we we sort of saw like different um different like results for them going over like different points in their career like like Phil obviously had just, I mean, he had just won the PGA over here. Like, uh, and, and like Brooks was like on the downside of this, like after experiencing like amazing success and like is a huge draw, like people recognize the name and he goes and then they get Dustin Johnson. Like, um, so the, the live stuff is another interesting factor. And, and it'd be interesting to see like, now these guys are are allowed to play the majors so like and and speaking of our pool like this is going to introduce when we get to the majors if you've used up some guys you know some of the names towards the top 
you know, once we get to some of these majors, going to introduce a, a bunch of players that haven't been available yet, obviously, because they're not allowed to play in just regular PGA Tour events, but the majors are not that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, number one, like how they play. And I'm interested to see how they're received, like come by the public and the fans, like coming back over here um, and playing not in a PGA Tour like event, but with mainly PGA Tour guys. Uh, and just like what kind of the narrative, what, what the narrative is and, and, and how people are rooting for them, you know, so it'd be interesting to see for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, as you sort of alluded to, I think a lot of the live guys, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to a, you know, a live breakdown at some point, but I'd say a lot of the live guys won't be in contention, but it would really be cool to see, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith to me are still two top 10 guys in the world competed any major, um, you know, seeing, seeing yeah to your point how how a competitive round with them involved is is covered just you know even in camera angles stuff like that but yeah we'll see an interesting couple weeks coming up as we'll get to um so if you've pressed the 30 you know plus 30 button now is the time you can tune back in we are done with netflix uh i would love to hit the genesis real quick before we get into the into the honda this week i have two big points for me um my my first one is obviously just reflecting on Tiger, how he looked just overall. And before I get to his game, I'd like to say, Tampon Gate, um, I just want everybody to leave my guy alone and just mind your own business. Like that's that's my overall thoughts on anything that involves getting getting offended by something that didn't happen to you. Mind your own business. Leave this guy alone. He's on one leg trying to make cuts out here. He's got better things going on to have to apologize to julie decaro from the chicago sun um you know ten thousand miles away who you know wants some twitter love oh but anyway i uh i was really impressed by his play um physically i, I loved that you know these last couple of years when we had seen him come back and make a cut we had seen him sort of really grind to make a cut as he did this week but then those last two rounds really uh you know prior to this week had gotten out of hand and, and you watched him degrade physically to the point where his his play fell off and he you know he finished near last uh if he was to make the cut and this week i didn't see that as much um strong round uh on sunday to finish not much of a limp and it looked like physically his body held up pretty good um you know so you saw 180 plus you know ball speed coming off the driver which is at the top end of the tour i still really do think that he is among the elite iron players in the world still um but you just see it like i just it reminds me of, you know, that Greek myth where you push the wheel all the way up the hill, but as soon as you're about to get to the top and like crown it comes all the way back down. And that's how I feel with Tiger. You know, you watch 180 ball speed off the tee, you watch a, a you know, an iron stroked into a green within 15 feet, but then you watch him just routinely miss putts that he drills drilled when he was in form or, you know, leave, uh, you know, miss an easy up and down or start to, you know, par multiple par fives. It's just, that's where it's going to be. I just think the rust uh, that he's going to have to face every time he plays, is going to make it really difficult for him to do all for him to do all of those things well enough over four rounds to win a tournament, uh, especially. And, you know, this will sort of lead into my number two talking point when you got legitimate robots on the top of the field right now. And that's sort of my other big takeaway is, uh, you know, the dominance of John Rahm is just getting into a different level right now. And I'll just say it with some stats that I found on Twitter today. Like some of the, some of the shit is ridiculous to me this season, just as PGA tour season, he's at 3.8 shots gained overall 
next closest at 3.1, you know, almost a full stroke and over that sample size, pretty just crazy, crazy gap between first and second. Uh, this week, shots gained rounds three and four, number one, overall tournament number one. Uh, he's played 10 tournaments. He's gotten beaten by 19 golfers. Uh, he's already won the 10th most money uh, in a full season in the calendar year 2023, which is pretty impressive. And I really feel like, you know, despite all those stats, I don't even feel like we saw his A game this week at the Genesis. And he still pulls it out. And when, you know, you're getting down the stretch, he and Max Holma, re, you know, champion, past champion in great form, he just will not allow you to beat him down the stretch. You know, just like almost aces 16. And then, you know, you're waiting for him to crack. And, he, and he's just in a place where I don't think he, he's ever going to do that with, with a lead. Pretty crazy stuff. Very impressive. Yeah, very cool to see. Um, on the Tiger stuff, I think what you would have to say is that uh, for, for what my expectations were, I was pleasantly surprised with the game. Everything you would want him to be uh, good at and in control of, I think, from like hoping if, you, if you're of the mindset, which I think almost everybody is, that you would like to see him contend or win another golf tournament or contend at a major like the the play off the tee incredibly impressive and his approach game in, incredibly impressive right as you mentioned like we'll see him we saw him missing putts we saw him you know maybe par par five here and there but like overall for you know made the cut which i think was a question mark at the start of the tournament whether he would or not and i think just given the uh the the weather like the temperature it was pretty cold not not particularly nice weather colder temps from what you would like want you know want to see him playing and then like you said i think he, he looked good uh now he he was quoted as saying afterwards like they asked you know the, the question was asked of him when are we going to see you again competitively and he's like you know he's like my goal is to play in, in all four majors but he said my body just isn't going to allow me to do much more than that and as you said like in order for him if you really want to see him competing at at that type of level and that kind of field, I think, unfortunately, like it would be better for him to play more often, which I just don't think he's capable of doing from a physical standpoint, unfortunately. Uh, but you never know. Like uh, we, what we saw this week was incredibly positive and it made me feel really good. And I, I enjoyed watching it. And, and uh, you just don't want to go see him go out there and, I'll never say be embarrassed because he, he has, he'll never get embarrassed on a golf course ever. But uh, but just to see him contend is, is even in, you know, make the cut in top 40, top 30, whatever he finished, like it's just incredibly positive thing. And, and I miss I miss watching it. So it was it was it was great to see. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the John Rahm wins again. Uh, just on the insane run. Right? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Insane run. And, and both. It reminded me also of um, I can't even remember what tournament it is now because he's won like all of them. But I think it was the American Express when he was tied for the league on the Sunday and didn't, as you mentioned, like did not have his A game. Like he Max Homa that, that this past weekend like overtook him. He was down, you know, he was struggling a little bit mid round, but just always seems to find it whatever it takes. Like hit that shot on I watched that shot on sixteen live, like. Uh, and Max Homa teed off after him on that shot, and I was thinking like, well, this, this tournament seems like it's over. Pretty because, tough back to follow. Yeah, yeah, because that ball, 
I really thought it was going in, uh, but then it went to like six inches, which is pretty good, I guess. So, um, but yeah, he um, just amazing, amazing. And I saw, I saw too. We'll get into the field for this week, uh, but I saw too if John Rahm was playing this week. What do you think his odds would be? And now, now yes. I don't. I really don't know. Like, would it would it be you know negative money? I think it probably would in this field, so, which I've yeah. never seen. Which I've never seen before in an outright market. But uh, yeah, I, dude, I I'm know. I'm looking at it right now, and if you told me he was two to one right now at the page I'm looking at, like I would hammer that, hammer that with any amount of money. Oh man, that's a crazy question. I wonder if there's like some hypothetical uh, site we can look up and update later. But that's that's an interesting question. But yeah, it just yeah. speaks to the level of dominance that he's uh, he's experiencing at this moment. Um, all right, Kev, that's a good way to get onto the Honda here. Um, our first East Coast tournament of the year uh, onto sunny Florida at PGA National Championship course um, for the Honda. Uh, I almost feel like before we get into this. I'm going to spend personally more time talking about the course than the field. Uh, I know we've alluded to it here, but this, this field is pretty damn soft. Uh, and the reason why I think, and has been speculated, uh, we've had back-to-back -back elevated events these last two weeks on the West coast. And after this event, we're having back-to-back -back, uh, elevated events going forward with uh, the Arnold Palmer and then the players. Um, so certainly some incentive, you know, with those four sort of bigger events to, uh, rest and recharge for some of these top guys. Um, so a pretty watered down field, but hitting a very, very, very difficult course uh, on tour. Um, yeah, so PGA Nationals, 7,100 yards, uh, par 70 with Bermuda grass, uh, both in the fairways and on the greens. Um, we're, we're looking at a cut here traditionally of, you know, between plus two and plus six. Uh, so we're, we're going to have some struggling here. Um, similar to last week in a way where, where there will be some emphasis maybe on some conservative players, uh, but almost the exact opposite of the course we just watched. Uh, the, the Genesis at Riviera is known uh, almost notoriously so for having no water anywhere, uh, which is why you saw a lot of guys, if you were watching, hitting some shots from very weird places and taking some weird lines to different holes. Um, PGA National is not that. There's water that's going to be on 15 holes, uh, including, um, you know, the, the famed, uh, we'll get into sort of the stretch later, but the famed bear trap uh, alone uh, catches over 6,000 balls uh, the last few years. So uh, a pretty difficult track with a pretty soft field. Uh, you seeing this the same way? Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, and this is sort of a first for us, I think, um, in tournaments this year, you mentioned we, we've had soft fields, certainly, but every time I think, in January, when we had a soft field, it was at a much easier track. And this is very much, as you mentioned, the opposite of that. Very incredibly difficult course. Um, a ton of water. Um, I was lucky enough to go to this event actually a few years ago. It's, it's a really cool setup. And it's kind of disappointing to see the fields uh, down to what it is this year because it's traditionally not that. We typically will get like some strong players from Europe that come over. Um, and I, I think you hit on it perfectly. It's, it's just the where it falls in the schedule this year and, and being in between these sort of um, events with the big purses and, you know, the back-to-back the -back Cali events now coming over to Florida. It's just, so this is the week that guys opted to, to skip. Um, 
but still excited to to get into it and um, hopefully find some guys that um, can do well here. You know, um, I think I find a little bit more comfort in the fact that it is a little bit more difficult of a course because I think you can if if you're taking like sort of a shot on a guy that you really believe in. I think if, if he doesn't have to go out and make like a ton of birdies, he can just, his game can kind of um, hold up and, and, and just not blow up on like some of these holes. Uh, then that's all you need because like, as you mentioned, the cut is going to be somewhere over par and uh, you just want consistency and guys that can, um, can play well here. So I personally, I think I have a little bit more confidence going into this week than I would back at the beginning of the season where, Obviously, we need these guys to go out and score uh, really well, which is, I think is an element of luck to that. And also, we just didn't have the data that we have now watching these guys like over a month-long period. So um, I feel a little bit better about it, I think, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. I, I feel like we may see um, a pretty tight uh, tight grouping of players selected um, with with the strength of field and with uh, sort of the, um, you know, even though the top isn't, isn't ultra strong in comparison to last week. The top is also pretty shallow too, um, which is great, uh, you know, for the overall uh, value of the tournament. Um, but I'm really focused again on the course um, and two stretches of holes in particular um, are going to be where uh, you need your, your particular player to hold up. And that'll be uh, five, six, and seven doesn't have a catchy name like the more famed 15, 16, and 17 stretch. But both those stretches play almost a full shot over par. And 15, 16, and 17 in particular um, played uh, almost a full shot over par last year. And there was actually no golfer that played that stretch without making a bogey on one of those holes the entire week. Um, I may have misspoken on a water stat earlier. Uh, the course as a whole has eaten up over uh, 6,000 balls since 2007. That whole uh, that stretch of holes in particular, the bear trap, 15, 16, and 17, has eaten up uh, 1,600 balls since 07. Oh my God. Yeah, no, 1,600 balls since 07. I thought I misread again. And again, that, that three hole stretch has played uh, 4,000 shots over par uh, since 07 as well. Um, so if you see your guy, you know, come in with a 77, uh, you could probably look to the, one of those two th uh, three hole stretches for where it all went wrong. Um, and, and again, the, uh, you know, the 15, 16, 17 stretch, very famous in sort of golf culture will have its own broadcast this week has been made famous. Uh, you know, the bear trap named, I believe after Jack Nicholas, golden bear, right. For the sort of, for the fame thing is water on all three holes and the bunkers on all three holes as well, are not just your typical greenside bunker shots. Very difficult. Um, everything's very difficult. So me personally, when I'm looking for who I want to pick this week, my first inclination was going for somebody who's good at scrambling around the greens. Um, but I read something that because there's so much water on this course, it may also, it may translate into somebody being good at scrambling. But here, if you miss the green, uh, you know, and, and, and get a lot of scrambling sample size in other courses and you're great at it, you're missing the green in, in a bunker in greenside rough here. If you miss the green, you're in the water. And not only are you taking that penalty stroke, you may also be dropping from 120 yards, uh, you know, away because of where your last shot was. So I don't know if I personally will be taking an emphasis on 
you know, the scramblers and the bogey avoiders as much as I just want the studs this week. I'm going to play this and I'll just be as, as blatant as I can. I'm going to play this as conservatively as I've allowed myself to based on the picks I've already made. Um, because I miss, I miss having uh, a wide variety of people I feel comfortable with and looking at this field. There are only a few guys that I do and I'm not going to mess around and lose any entries. Um, you know, before the big time part of the season where we get all of our studs back. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the bear, the bear trap is a, a cool set of holes. You'll hear it if you watch it all this weekend. Um, they'll talk about it a lot during the broadcast. Um, it's a famous stretch of three holes. And um, when I went to the tournament, I was lucky enough to have like a ticket that allowed me to go like uh, up in like the bleacher setup that they had. So, and the the way that they set it up, it's it's positioned so that you can actually watch all three holes, just depending on like where you want to stand. But yeah, obviously, like seeing a ton of balls go in the water on those. Uh, three holes, and, and as you sort of alluded to, just you'll you'll, you'll see guys struggle um, on that, that stretch, and also just on this course um, in general. It's interesting what you said about the uh, the scrambling because I heard the exact same thing. Is that you you would think just at first look that that's guys that you would want, but because of the amount of water, yeah, it's almost if you are missing greens, you're you're wet anyway. So uh, it's you you of course want that still, but I think, I think you, you touched on it perfectly and maybe not weigh it as heavily as you would initially uh, maybe think, but I agree. Uh, I have a couple. It's interesting. I had it. I was watching last weekend and a couple guys really caught my eye uh, that I sort of um, just made a mental note of guys that I might want to take this week. Cause I, I saw them play really well and uh, I knew they'd be in the field this week but when i when i went to like sort of look at them and i'm like scrolling down to like where i would normally find them on the odds board like this this week yeah. they're both top i'm gonna go right to the yeah. top you're gonna go right to the top <laughs> they're both they're both top 10 yeah so, uh you know nothing i don't think it's anything earth shattering but i i sort of have the same philosophy view I and mean, that's really been my philosophy all along is just to pick guys that i feel really comfortable with i'm not going to go too far outside my comfort zone in any week, uh, but especially this week, I, there's only a very short list of guys that I, um, that I trust and um, I'm not going to sort of stray away from them. Yeah. So when I'm, when I'm looking at who I'm going to bet on and who I'm going to pick, I already touched on a few, but I'll give out just some names. Um, it's really tough. I know we've said the same thing over and over. It's really tough to pick any sort of favorite here because um there is so much parody in a bad way, I, I guess. Like I looked at, um, you know, out of my favorites, quote unquote, like one of the names that came to mind was Aaron Wise. And I was like, oh, you know, Aaron Wise is like sort of flown under the radar, but I've seen him on the first page of some leaderboards, like at a bunch of tournaments this year. Like I know he's made a bunch of cuts. Like maybe I can get him at like, you know, a 40, 50 or below where he usually is. I look and he's the third favorite in this tournament. So it's like, I'm not even really getting any, a ton of value on him, but he's a name that I like. Um, I like Min Woo Lee, uh, another guy who I, I really think flies under the radar as a great ball striker, plays mostly on the European tour, um, a great wind player as well. Uh, and wind is another one of the uh, protections of this course. Um, but again, you know, uh, in the top 10 of favorites, so tough to tough to really put a ton of money. So I'll give you, you know, my favorite uh, fun bets of the week. I really like um, down at 150 to one, uh, at least where I'm seeing it. I like two names as, uh, again, I don't know about outrights here, but definitely if there's a to make the cut prop or a first round top five or maybe a top 10 overall for the tournament, 
I like Harry Higgs at 150. And I just think he's been playing very solid golf uh, every time I've seen him on TV. And that's what I'm basing that on <laughs> because of the soft fields. Like if I've just watched this guy play solid and, uh, you know, make cuts and, and not, you know, sort of uh, fall into some of the, the pitfalls that have hit him out of tournaments in the past. I like that value. And I also like Pearson Cootie at 150 to one. Uh, he is a Corn Ferry player, I believe, or, or I'm not sure if he's official rookie has his card, but I think he's on the Corn Ferry tour. But a, a very hyped um, young player coming up was a, a great player in college, uh, and at 150 to one to win outright. Um, and you know, again, I sort of like him more as like a tournament top 20 uh, at that price or something like that. Um, just a name, exciting guy, plays an exciting brand of golf. Good to follow young guys that you know could eventually be something. And then if we want to get a little more boring. I like uh, Seb Strecka at 40 to one to win. And just as an outright there defending champ at this tournament, um, good wedge player, uh, you know, a good bogey avoider as well uh, in a soft field. So those are sort of my plays, but not a ton of fun this week, but we're, we're you know, we're just trying to get through here uh, and move on. Um, yeah, great. I love that. A um, couple guys I mentioned earlier that I'm looking at, um, so one of these guys we've seen in the pool pop up maybe, I don't know, at least once, maybe a couple times. Uh, the first guy is Danny McCarthy. Um, he is an amazing talent. Looking at his uh, stats is just insane, too. Like his, uh, his putting and scrambling stats are, are just absurd. Like it's so good. Um, he can be a little streaky from here, you know, but he's had a really good sort of stretch. His last, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. his last six tournaments, he's got the one missed cut at the waste management, as our friend Matt today knows. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, he had a T5 uh, back in the fall swing at QBE, he had a uh, tie for fourth at the at AT&T Pebble, uh, and then tie, tie for 14th last week. And something I noticed um, kind of, uh, alluding to the next guy that I'm going to pick a little bit is that I, I've noticed um, longer hitters of the, of the golf ball doing well at this tournament and past events, but also longer hitters that tend to do well on like shorter courses. I almost noticed. Um, so when I, when I pulled the stats of like guys that hit it a little bit further, it seemed like they were guys who were finishing well at like tracks that were just a little bit shorter, even at like different parts of the year, whether that be like in the spring or, or, uh, at the beginning sort of stretch of, of, the, of the golf season. Um, so I thought that was interesting as well. My other guy that I'm sort of looking at is uh, Adam Svensson, who uh, I believe was T9 this past week at the Genesis. Um, he's just been on a really good run as well. His recent results, um, yep, T9. Uh, actually, he had a couple cut, missed cuts before that. Uh, we had T41 at the Sony. Um 37 at the century and then you get the win in the fall swing at the rsm um but that's just what it's going to be this week you know like you're not going to find a guy that's that's uh sort of guaranteed you got yeah i mean you got sung up there if you haven't used him but it, it's going to be tough like you're not going to get a, a guy that's guaranteed to make a cut so you gotta you gotta just go with the guys you like and um and sort of hope for the best the third guy is a little bit further down the board, I didn't see his betting number, but I know on DraftKings he's listed in the 6,000s, and I know he was listed in the 6,000s last week as well and didn't make the cut last week at the Genesis, and that is Kevin Tway. 
Um, he's a golfer that I always like. Bait, uh, long hitter for sure. Um, and I think he's been playing pretty well recently as well. So he's a guy I'll look at also. Cool. Yeah. I'd say the only thing that makes this week sort of interesting um, is if you want to make a bold play, like maybe now is the time to fade Sungjae if you have him available. Like, I just think, you know, if we're being honest here, if you have him available, like probably a pretty solid bet that a lot of people will be using him. And for, for good reason, he's the far away the favorite and far away the best golfer in the field. Um, but, you know, somebody that can get into some trouble and put up some high numbers and with so much water and, and you know, with the wind potentially being a factor, you know, it only takes one bad stretch of holes and and you've shot yourself out of this tournament. There just aren't a ton of birdies available, uh, you know, to 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 dig you out of a, a really bad nine hole stretch. And he can put those together, even though I don't think it's likely. So, you know, if there's an opportunity to go contrarian here, maybe this is the time to do it. I don't think that's what I'll be doing. But, you know, just to add a little bit of a little bit of uh, interest into some of the strategy here. Yeah, I, I like that you said that. I, I can say, you know, I have not been uh shy about going right to the top of the board in in recent weeks but i can say uh don't like to give too much away on this pod early but i can say I'm, i will be going away from Sungjae this week it's just I, i'm not gonna um i i get that feeling that exactly what you said is it's going to be a very short pool of of players this week and i, I think that there's just going to be a ton of guys on him uh and so if something crazy happens and I, and he ends up not missing the cut or not making the cut. I don't want to be, uh, I want to sort of reap the benefits of that and, and, uh, go to, you know, I'm not going to get crazy and go way down the board, of course, but, um, I want to try to get a little different from if in a, in a field where I think that a lot of the, um, ownership will be up at the top. Feel like I feel like we said we don't want to talk about this for a long time. I'm just going to sneak one more bet in there. And this is like, I just sort of noticed this. I noticed Cam Davis at 40 to one. And I just don't understand how he's getting that much respect. Cause I think that dude is just broken. I, I'm just, I, I don't, I don't understand it. Like I know it's a short field and I know he's a big name with some big game, but I'm going to personally look at like what his number is to miss the cut this week. Cause you know, if he's at only at 40 to one, like that may be, uh, you know, something like two to one to miss the cut. And I just, that, that dude is, um, that dude is some, in some really bad form right now, even though he's super talented. So um, has missed a few cuts in a row and just looks sort of lost. So I would love some value on him to, you know, to miss the cut if if you're into that sort of thing. Um, All right, dude, any, any uh, closing thoughts here? I, I know we said we were going to grit this podcast out, but I'm, I gotta be honest, I'm running out of some gas here. So last, uh, last shot in the fourth quarter here before we, uh, you know, um, no, I think we're, I think we're good. We, um, we covered everything, I think. And it's been, it's been a great stretch. Some people on some, um, some really good runs. We're slowly seeing the the pool sort of dwindle here, but, but people holding on strong as well. You know, we're still, I'll be honest after the first like week or two, I thought at this point in the calendar year, we would be either finished or if not finished like very close to finish so uh it's been good to see some people like go on nice runs here and i i hope it continues for as long as possible so we'll see cool all right kev good time as usual man everybody enjoy the honda um this is a florida tournament so picks got to be in uh you know wednesday night because we'll be taking off very early on thursday morning but everybody enjoy your golf and we will see you uh we'll see you monday after the honda all right